Welcome, everybody, and thanks for being locked inside the cage with Terrell Campbell. And your man, Jerome's fan. All right, this is your home for MMA and pro wrestling talk, chat, whatever you want to cut it down to. But we here at Inside the Cage, which is basically me and Jerome, would be remiss <laughs> if we did not address the elephant in the world. Oh, elephant in the room. See, Jerome... We had a pre- we had a pre-show <laughs> conversation, and Jerome just messed me up with sayings. But we would be remiss if we did not speak, if if we did not speak about what's been going on in the United States of America, and for some of our international uh, listeners, I say you're probably keen to this too. But with everything going on with the Capitol, and it's just, I say, Jerome, it's it's something that. And you know me well enough to know, like I say, you know me, I say we've known each other for 20 years now. And it's something that me as a person, I have taken took taken notice of it. And it's just like I say, and you know me, I don't I don't like say read a lot of the political stuff. I don't like read do a lot of that stuff. But when all this was happening, I was paying attention. I say I went to go see my dad. Uh, and my brother, who's visiting from Texas, I went to go see them today. And I say, say, first take was talking about it. You know, they say, and I, I don't think I've ever seen Stephen A. Smith, like, say, speak so softly in a while. Mm-hmm. But, but it's one of those things where it's like, people who have turned a blind eye cannot turn that blind eye anymore. When we say, when people have been speaking about these avid supporters of Donald Trump being no less than a terrorist organization, people are just like, no, 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 no. Well, they just stormed the Capitol and they and they they were trying to get to Congress. What in the world, what more do people have to understand that the the, the issues that divide America are still running rampant. I mean, we have never seen something like this in the like say in our history. I say we've had wars with other countries where they've come and tried to done some stuff. But in with our own people doing this, I mean it it, it it's a shameful display. Yeah, um look man since we've been the entire time we've been doing this show, right? Um, you know, before we started it, you know, um, Obama was the president, and and since we've been doing it, Donald J. Trump become became the president of the United States, right? We both know many people that voted for him, some that we have now at this point written off for for actions that may have to deal with that or other actions, right? You know, we we without throwing anybody under the bus because, uh, you know, there are liabilities with that shit and I don't ever want this to come back and blow up on us. So there are some people we have most definitely cut cut off because of what voting for him represented very much and how their actions began to show how they truly felt and believed, right? And so why am I bringing this up to, to connect to this? Because 
my point to everybody is this, is that, hey, I've been telling you exactly what the hell this is for years. I told you what, what, what we were at risk for before he got elected. I told you exactly what the risk was. And, and you know, there were people that gave me pushback and, and kind of said I was speaking, you know, hyperbolic and, you know, it wasn't really going to get that bad. It can never really get that bad. Well, I hope all of you, all of you have learned your lesson at this point. I hope you have learned at this point that, hey, politics ain't supposed to be exciting like your sports show or your Game of Thrones or whatever freaking TV show that you want to watch, right? It's not supposed to be that. But you still have to stay up on it. There is no excuse. Because I hope from all of this, people have learned that we are this close to being able to fall into a dictatorship. It ain't that hard. We love to sit on our uh, on our moral high ground and try to talk about how glorious our democracy is and how we are the standard bearers for around the world. But yet we see that we have millions of people in our country that believe in acting like full-on children and are willing to put the sanctity of our country at risk to do this. These people are disgusting. I have no more pity for them. I have no more nice words. I have no more, I'm trying to work with you for any of them. If you voted for him the first time and you still turned around and wanted to vote for him again, I ain't going to say it because I'm trying to keep this episode as clean as I can, but they can themselves. You know exactly what I mean. Because you know what? I live here too. This is my country too. And I'm sick of half of this damn country or 70 million people in this country acting like I'm not a damn citizen too. And like my life doesn't have value too. I'm sick of it. So if you're a Trumper and you listen to this, I'm sorry if I just turned you off. I really would like you to keep listening. But honestly, if you don't, I don't really give a shit. Because you're disgusting. Uh, all right. I say, so I say we we pretty much, I say, gotten that. You know, now we get to go on to the fun uh, stuff, people. Sorry, we just had to get it out of the way. Now we can have fun. All right. <laughs> so, so with that being said, it's time to move into the world of MMA. And Jerome open scoring for the by the judges. It's a hot topic in MMA right now. Now, granted, UFC president Dana White has stated that he does not want open scoring uh, involved. They say in mixed martial arts. Uh, let's say, Jerome, what's what's your opinion on this? Well, I don't have an overall issue with with open scoring, but my thing with the UFC and has, has been this for a while. It's their definition of how you score points. That's more so what needs to be corrected more than anything, because, you know, they tell you that fights can only be won certain ways. Right. But then when you actually look at how things end up getting scored in close fights, right. You start seeing a very huge level of, Insistency, right? To where 
let's just take um l- l- let's take the um Moana um, and Zhang fight. That's how I say her last name, right? It is Zhang, right? Zhang. Okay. Zhang. All right. Yeah. So let's take that for example. I personally watched that fight and thought Joanna won it clearly. It was a very close fight, right? But it was like it was a three three rounds to two fight to me, right? Clearly. But yet yeah. that's not how it was how it was scored. And it was simply because if you take into account how the judges are supposed to actually, you know, score things according to what the the rules are, right? The judges scored it correctly. But your eyes watching the fight. And your brain told you something else entirely. You know, they told you, wait a minute, you want to win this fight. It was a close fight. Absolutely. 100%. Very, very close fight. One of the closest fights I've actually ever seen in a championship fight, right? But there was a clear winner. And I feel like the rules have left a lot of fights like this. I, I wish I had a couple more to go to. I was thinking about them earlier, but I, I you know, I was like, man, I got to go back and remember exactly which fights they were. But there are some fights that you can go I mean, back and I'm, say. I mean, even the Reyes, but even uh, yes. the Reyes Jones fight, there's like that's one. that's 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 another one, and that happened. Like I say, and I think those fights happened on the same card, yes. if I remember. Yes, they did. Yeah, you know, like I say, it's it's one of those things where it's like we saw two, we saw two. Like I say, well, we saw one great fight and we saw one good fight, and like and and like I say, and I think a lot of people came outside of it and we're just like I don't know if this was the right one to get this like I don't I don't think Jones won I don't think you know let's say that Zhang won you know, you know? Cause I, I, I say, presented we saw- to you you know when we talked about the Jones fight when it initially happened right you know I I, I said at mm-hmm. the time I personally thought that John Jones had gotten by by like my understanding of the rules right I thought he had lost that fight because if you remember a couple of years ago, right, when they put in this big emphasis on saying the aggressor is supposed to be the guy that gets more points. Right. And for the majority of that fight, Reyes was the aggressor. Jones was doing a lot of it. He was doing a lot of waiting to counter him and it, and never really going at him. He, he only really started going at him maybe about towards the end of round three and then four and five, he kind of made a more conscious effort to really go at Reyes, right? But even in that fight, though, it's like, yeah, you, you guys gave John Jones that fight because of the takedowns and stuff that he got. But if you actually watch the fight with your eyes, when they were on their feet, which was with the majority of the fight, Reyes clearly won that fight. So I if anything with the with the rules and the scoring, I want less ambiguity to the scoring. You know what I'm saying? I want it to be more clearly defined so we can stop having these examples to where, hey, your eyes and everybody that, that has watched the sports eyes are telling them, hey, that guy won the fight. And then we're turning around and looking at judges telling us, nah, dog, nah, dog, you wrong. Because our our scoring system says this guy won. And isn't MMA supposed to be trying to get away from some of the issues that boxing had, like the scoring? Right. But like I say, one of the one of the main reasons that like I say Dana White has said that he is not a fan of open scoring is 
because like I say you're talking about the fighter and their team would know, like I say, what the score is, is like I say, so going into each round. So like I say, if somebody's winning, like I say, the first the first or second round and it's a three round fight, I say and and I understand where Dana White's coming from, because we've seen this before. I say where like somebody's so comfortable that like they're just like there's no way I'll, I lose this fight and they just become like like But here's where I think that's a a nonsensical argument from him. If a guy thinks he's up in the fight, he's still going to do that anyway. So whether he knows or not is not really the relative thing. Because like what he's what he's wanting to do is to like literally just reprogram human beings and how how like a team is developing a strategy, right? That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to say, we should not, this strategy should not be in the sport. That's really more so what he's doing because logically it makes no sense. You're asking human beings to go against what's for the betterment of them and their team. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I get where Dane is coming from because there is, there's that entertainment value, right? I understand like what he's always just trying to push for whatever in his mind is going to give you give the fans the best fight, right? But the issue, like I said, that he's not addressing here is just that, hey, dude, well, you're saying that, but how does that then fix if somebody still clearly knows that they're up in a fight? You know what I mean? They're still going to, you know, fight with a strategy that says I'm not going to lose this fight. I may not finish a guy, but I'm not going to lose the fight either. You know what I mean? Like, how does that fix that problem? It doesn't. Very true. Very true. I say it's one of those things where it's it's kind of a it's kind of a it's kind of a hard one. It's kind of a hard one to like say really really monitor because if you try and monitor, like say it, you're going to run into into that particular issue where you don't like say guys will know guys will have a feeling that they're up in the fight and then. I say they start responding that way. So we'll see what happens. But like I say, I don't see it happening and, anytime and also, soon. Couldn't it also hey, provide though we- for hey, it's here and here's where I have no issue with it, right? It also could provide for the counter to that, right? Which is where, hey, a guy knows that he's completely out of the fight, right? It's clearly on the judge, like like they like exactly what we were just talking about, where with your eye, with everybody's eyes, right? They think they're up, but the judges may be seeing it differently. So couldn't it also go the other way? Like, think about it. Okay, let's just say hypothetically, right? Reyes's corner, they got to see the card, you know, the scoring in the fourth, at the end of the fourth, and they got to see, like, wait a minute, dude, even though we feel like we're winning this fight, the judges are saying it's super close. So we got to go out here and go win this fifth round, right? Because if you remember that fifth round, Reyes wasn't really, like, super aggressive he was more so trying to make sure that john jones did not end up finishing him not saying that he was fighting completely passive but you could see to where he he was making a conservative effort to make sure that john jones did not end up finishing him in that round right but couldn't that have potentially been changed his mentality if hey you go into the fourth and you're and you're looking at the cards and you're saying hey you're either down or you're tied on like these judges' cards, so you gotta go out in here and win this round. That could provide for possibly the greatest, some of the greatest rounds that we could ever see. So th- that's why I say I particularly don't have an issue with it. I just think that 
Dana White is being very short-sighted with actually how it could benefit too. I think with him trying to present it as only being a negative thing, I think that's, again, I think that has more to do with his ego than it does actually having to do with like facts that could improve or hurt the sport. You know what I'm saying? I think that's just all ego. I think that's a guy that just, he wants to be the man that's in front of that, that's making the changes. And that's the idea guy, because he's an, if you know anything about Dana White, he's an arrogant asshole. Well, and plus also, like I say, some other promotions have started it. I think uh, Bellator's done it a couple times and then, and Invicta FC have, I'd say, and it hasn't been like say it hasn't been been met with like say bad reactions. But once again, we're not like say we're in a different era right now, where they say you're not where we're not getting the fans booing the fights. You know, we're not getting like say because because how many times have we watched fights and two guys are like like say just you know like hugging each other on the cage the whole time, and then you just hear an entire arena just start booing because it's just like. Like, fight, fight, fight. We know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We appreciate what they're doing. But, like I say, most of these, most of the people that are in those arenas watching those fights, they're coming there to see, they're, com- they're coming there to see finishes. They're coming in there to see a fight. They don't care about the chess moves that are made <laughs> to get to checkmate. You're not wrong. So, You're not wrong. so, I mean, like I say, but, but we'll, but we'll see how that goes. But we also know that, like I say, when it comes to the fighters, a lot of fighters, are fi- having to find a new pathway, and that's because, say, what back in December, Dana White dis- discussed uh, a bunch of fighter cuts. I think that they said about, like, say that they were going to have about fifty fighter cuts. I want to say, you know, and and like, say, we've seen some, we've seen some, like two big names leave now. One of which left on his own accord. The other one was cut, but like, say, we. Let's say because we've seen Anderson Silva part ways from the UFC, you know, after being there for so long. Uh, but we've also seen Anthony Pettis choose to leave the UFC and go to the Professional Fighters League. Uh, so that that's going to be interesting. And plus, he made a good choice because guess what? That airs on ESPN. So people want to see him fight, go to ESPN. Up, oh, they're already used to it because guess what? He was fighting on UFC and they fight on ESPN. And but like I say, one of the weirdest fighter cuts I saw was y'all Romero. Nah, like that's think that, about his that history. to me. That was, but like I say, he's not but a guy think that about like, his history. T. I mean, I get it with his history, but man, it's like I say, it's still one of those things where it's like. It was still surprising. Um, I, it was somewhat surprising, I guess you could say. But to me, it was kind of a – it was one I saw coming just because it was like, look, if if by the time Yoel's contract was up, if he was not the champion, they were going to get rid of it. And it, and it was just strictly just because, you know, his history. <laughs> He's got some things out there that are going to make him look real bad in the end. And – um. You know, Dana White always likes to give the illusion that he cares a lot about the sport being clean and this and that and da 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 this and but it's like, uh, do you really, bro? Because yeah, Brock Lesnar there, bro. Like, do you really care about that being that much of being clean? Do you really? 
Because, I mean, didn't you, didn't you guys change the drug testing policy for his last fight? Hmm. It's kind of weird. I mean, yeah, say, say, it's, they say, yeah, Romero had his issues, and yeah, Dana does say one thing and does another. I say, say, he gets dirt on, dirt on his left hand, but he keeps his right hand clean. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I say, when it comes to these fighters, like I say, let's say, if you look at people who were just released in 2020, not just like say, ever since they announced the releases, but like I say, there's a couple people that like, you know, had some had some name value, like someone like Corey Anderson. He was coming up on the rise, and then I say he got released back in August, and he's he's with Bellator. So we'll see what happens there. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that w- one person that we weren't surprised got released. And I know you're going to give me crap about this one. I mean, that's Paige girl, dog. What happened? <laughs> she got beat. Not just once, T. Not to, and she got handily beat multiple times. Right, right, and and that's the thing. Like, say Paige Van Zant got released. I, I'm I'm partway surprised that Felice Herrick didn't I get mean, released neither. I'm I'm, I'm surprised had that, that Felice conversation did. about because, like, say she was on the sh- with other fighters. And and it wasn't female fighters that we were talking about. When we when we had that conversation before, you remember that when there was a certain male fighter that we used to laugh at that he was like, "Oh, y'all only got him around because he looks like a damn Ken doll." <laughs> oh, you talking about Sage Northcutt? <laughs> yep, you already know, bro. Right, and, and and that's the thing, though. But here's the thing. And 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 this is me saying objectively. And if any of our listeners have a problem with me saying this, then you can deal with it. Uh, but Paige Van Zant next to Felice Herrick, traditionally Paige Van Zant is more obje- is more the traditional objective, more beautiful. I say I'm not saying Felice Herrick is 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 hideous or anything or unattractive. But if I looked at the but but if I looked at the two of them side by side, I'm gonna look at Paige and be like, yes. And then like you say, I'll look at Felice and I'm just like, well, you can do some things. But let's say if I had to make a choice, like if I had to make a poster girl, I'm going let's say to draw people in, I say I'm going Paige. Because like I say, she and plus like I say, Paige Van Zant has the look that but you, you can't need get rid of all the girls then. No, no, no. That's 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 what that, that's why they also let's say 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 because Rachel Ostovich, uh, let's say, I'm sorry, Rachel Ostovich, uh, she got released too, and she's one of those other women that fell into that category. I mean, what Curtis Blades got into some trouble a while ago by stating that we all know why these women are still here. Let's say. Women like Pearl Gonzalez, Rachel Ostevich, and Paige Van Zandt were literally, like say, put into the crosshairs of Curtis Blade's words. And and the thing is, if Paige Van Zandt would have came back and won her fight, she could have made him eat crow. If Rachel Ostevich would have done the same thing, crow. Pearl Gonzalez, I don't think like say she I don't think she even won her last last two fights. So they all had to eat crow. 
And I think the biggest mistake of Paige Van Zandt's career is going to the bare knuckle fighting well, championship. I mean, look, man, she should have went. She she should have went to. She would have. She should have went. Dropped down to Invicta or went to Bellator. But you know what don't I'm saying? like. Her, her checks, if the check is okay, right, you know people thing. are willing to go where they're going to go. But, but, am I, but you're talking about like something that's it's bare knuckle fighting. It's not MMA. It's bare knuckle fighting. We've had MMA but fighters there, but it's basically bare knuckle boxing. And she's not a great boxer. She can kick. She can wrestle. And but she, but like I say, if you've ever seen, like if you've seen her fights. She's won by submission, and she's won by knockouts from kicks. Her hands aren't dangerous enough for her to be able to compete. Hell, even Joanne Calderwood, who – I'm sorry, no, no, not Joanne Calderwood, but Beck, Beck Rawlings, who fought Paige Van Zandt in the UFC and lost to Paige Van Zandt in the UFC and went to the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship and became their champion and left and went to Bellator, she said – Paige Van Zant will not do well with this because she's not a good enough like boxer. She will not do well, and that's not sour grapes because you know, like I say, that's her speaking as a former opponent to Paige Van Zant. So I mean, hey, like I say, like Paige does. Like I'm not disagreeing I, with hey, you. Hey, nope, You're right. Nope, nope, nobody, no, nobody. Nobody will ever argue that Paige Van Zandt doesn't have the toughness because that girl has fought with a with, with her arm pretty much broken and and had Look, had fights I'm go to the judges. That girl is, that girl is tough, but she is not tough enough. I but this agree. is a mistake. I'm just saying the checks might be right. That's all I'm saying. Well, let's say I'm pretty sure Bellator could could could, could write some checks too. But <laughs> I digress. Like I say, there's no point in let's yeah, say Paige Van Zandt doing all this. She brought the passion out of you. I like it. Like, See, I, I know what buttons to push with you. <laughs> well, uh, you've known me for 20 years. Of course you do. Uh, but but let's say, I know one of your buttons is about to get pushed because we're about to switch to our entertainment section and we're going to talk about Jerome's favorite sport. Jerome, what sport is that? All right, that's right. We're talking about football and Drome. Let's say, say we already know what the playoffs look like, and I already know how you feel about that's a certain trash. team being in that the playoffs. So go you ahead, team, tell us that garbage. That garbage team that I support. You mean that one? What You mean the team that 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 made it yeah, to the playoffs the because another team me lost? A fan of them all the time. You mean that one? That team you talking about? Yeah, I hate that. That team that that, yes, like, exactly I had that team. other Bears fans trying to tell me, "Oh, you should be happy we made the playoffs. We know I was getting the playoffs." Da, 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 da. Y'all some simp's, bro. I want consistent success. I'm not happy with backing into the playoffs, bro. That's not cool with me. I'm trying to like be a team that has a chance to win a championship, not somebody being fed to the slaughter. I don't want to be lambs to the slaughter. And that's all we are. We last to the slaughter. We're going to get our heads kicked in. Like, honestly, I mean, like, pretty much. We're going to get our heads kicked in. Like, that's... 
like because even if we had even if we did even if the Bears did like say somehow eke out a win against the Saints. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen what that looks like. And do y'all need it? Listen, and here's my biggest thing too as a Bears fan, right? Because I you know me, T. I always want the Bears to make the playoffs, right? You know I don't root against them to make the playoffs. I want them in there, you know, like I but I'm always in that sense to where I want it to feel like we have a chance to win the championship, right? Been pretty consistent on that over time. So my whole thing is just this. Hey man. We don't have a chance. I know a lot of people want to tell themselves the old, uh, one of them old sports lies, right, T, where it's like, oh, boy, as long as you get there, you got a chance. Well, yeah, technically, yeah, the, the, the technically, yeah. But in reality, not really. I mean, especially in, in the NFL, you can go back and look over, like, the last 20, 25 years of champions, right? The only team that you could probably legitimately say it was a surprise that they were the team that won the championship was when the Giants beat the Patriots. But that is if you just looked at it viewing the numbers, right? Because you're looking at 16 and 0 team versus 9 and 17. That's not accounting for that the Giants had a top 10 defense that year, had one of the greatest defensive lines of all time, like as far as just the overall personnel that they had on the, on the line that year, you know, they had a lot of things that worked for them in their advantage. And they also, if you go back and look, played that team very, very tough at the end of the season. Yes, they lost that game to the Patriots, but that was probably one of the toughest victories that that, that team had over the course of the season. Right. So, yeah. Like that, they're, they're going to give you confidence, right? Because oh, you're yeah. like, hell, we just played the guys that you know they're giving it. They're all trying to go 16-0. We just played them tougher than anybody else. We're, we're playing better football going into the playoffs. Things are looking good. But when you're the Bears and you're backing into the playoffs and the only reason you got in was because the Cardinals were, were just not ready, apparently, and just, and just crapped the bed entirely, I mean – I'm sorry. I'm not going to feel good about that. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit there and blow smoke and, and and tell you, oh, yeah, you know, we got a chance, man, because we're in the playoffs. No, I'm going to be the guy to tell you the truth and be like, hey, bro, <coughs> oh, excuse me. We don't really have a chance. And you know why we don't really have a chance this year? And I, and I can list to you about four or five reasons real quickly. Number one, our quarterback sucks. That's like the, And the reason why I'm putting it number one is not because this is just me listing off, because that's the most prevalent reason why. Number one, our quarterback sucks. Number two, our defense has not, has not been consistent enough at the end of the season. Number three, we are going into this game with potentially two of our guys, even if they do play, two of our more important players in Mooney and in Roquan Smith coming in and playing hurt, which means they're going to be limited on the amount of effect of effect that they can have on a game. And then number four, guess what? We have not been a great team on the road this year. We've actually been kind of stinky. Okay. All right. Number five. My dude, we lost to the Saints when they had Taysom Hill out there who couldn't even throw the damn ball, okay? Jalen Johnson might be back for this game. You know, he was he was out for the Packers game, which was not good for us, which was a, a something that caused a uh, issue for sure for the Bears. But, you know, I just uh, 
I, I don't view this team as a team that has any chance of winning anything because it, it, even though we're in the playoffs, we might as well not be. And truthfully, we're only in the playoffs, like I said, just because the Cardinals couldn't get the job done. Not, not that we deserved it. No, there was more deserving teams than us that have, you know that missed the playoffs. Hell, they, there's a what the Browns won what eleven games this year. It's wrong. They almost missed the damn playoffs. <laughs> Think about how crazy that is. Yep, we over here doing the old Jeff Fisher special eight and eight, and we made the playoffs. That says more about the NFC than it does anything about that we're good or deserve to try and you know, have a shot at the championship. We don't deserve to have a shot at the championship. What we deserve right now at this point is to be sitting our behinds at home for being as sorry as we were over the course of the season. So, moving on from the Bears, though, um, talk about some real football teams, uh, that, you know, teams that have an offense and a defense. If I had to make my picks throughout, I'm sure you were going to hit me with it at some point, but if I had to make my pick on the Super Bowl there, who I think is going to get there. Yep. God, I hate to say it, but I think we're getting the, I think we're getting the Packers and Chiefs Super Bowl. You're going to say the I Packers. I think the Chiefs are going to repeat. I think they're going to be the first team um, since the Patriots in uh, the early 2000s to repeat. But I think we are getting a Patriots – I think we're getting a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl – and I think it's going to probably be one of the more electric games that we've ever seen. And the only reason I say this throw is because Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have been playing on another level this year than everybody else. Everybody, like other people have been really good. Like um, I actually said this on Twitter the other day. Um, you know, jo- I, I've given Josh Allen a lot of crap this year. Like, you know, I was, I was giving him, you know, Fair, what I judged as fair judgments earlier this year, right? Just giving him critiques on what on the things that he was still doing wrong that I was noticing. But Josh Allen, outside of uh, outside of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen is one hundred percent the next best quarterback performance this season. And I wouldn't, I, I don't even hesitate to say that. Not at all. I look at Josh Allen and I say, Jesus Christ. You took the leap that I wish Mitchell Trubisky took. You know, like, because because he is the typical arc that we've always known in the sense of, like, development for, for, for a quarterback, right? Which is that even if they play year one, that result is kind of, it's kind of a moot point, right? Because, you know, there may be a lot of extenuating circumstances to why their performance is one way or another, right? But year two... You expect them to get, you know, take a little step forward, right, and show you that they can do a little bit more for you, right? But it's year three where you really expect them to take that leap and say, man, this guy is a stud. This is a guy that we nailed the pick on and that we have gotten and we're going to get to the next level. And this guy's going to be a big part of taking us to that next level, right? But Mitch didn't do that. See, there, there are some people who, you know, have tried to tell me that, uh, I'm on the I'm on the Trubisky hate train and all this other stuff, right? Because there's a dude that works at ESPN, right? His name's Chris Bleck. Chris Black. I've been with him since last season on this, which is that hey, these Trubisky truthers are out here lying to their damn self, right? He's not that good of a quarterback, and I am holding firm to that point. And I would just simply say, 
that if you are a Trubisky fan at this point, you should want better for yourself. That's what you accept from your quarterback? Really? But I digress from where I was trying to go. See, you see what these damn Bears do to me? I'm trying to talk about Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and then and Josh Allen being good. And then you see I get led back to that bum. <laughs> but to, to the greater point, yep. Josh Allen, um, what also allowed him to take the uh, part of this leap this year, and, and this is a part that I think has been understated by a lot of people who are huge, huge Josh Allen supporters, right? A lot of the Bills Mafia and stuff like that. What they have understated is the value that Stefan Diggs has supplied to their offense. Because what Stefan Diggs has given them is somebody who the oh, defense yeah. has to respect at all times. And so now what that did was, was it took guys like John Brown and uh, was it Cole Beasley and guys like that, right? It took them from being number one and number two to where now they're interchangeable two and threes, right? It's just like, hey, who are we calling this play for this time? You know what I mean? Which guy is going to be in what, what spot this time? Now it allows them to stick to doing it what they really do best. So with having Diggs there and having a quarterback that has the arm talent to make all the throws, you know, you get that. And and I, as I say, I have to give Josh Allen his credit because I did not think that you could improve your accuracy at the rate that he did. And I, I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't openly admit that, hey, that guy, you can tell that he really was one of those guys that, you know, when whenever they want to say nobody works harder than him, you know, you can tell he's one of those guys. He's that guy on his team where he's like, okay, if I'm going to be the leader, I'm for real going to do this because, dude, his accuracy got drastically better from last year to this year. Like, and the reason why you can tell this is – no, see, the numbers can sometimes be deceiving, right? Because like, a guy like Trubisky, he has a high completion percentage, right? But if you're actually breaking down the throws that he is making, like last week was a was a prime example of this, right? I think Mitch something completed something like a high 60s percent of his passes last week, right, against the Packers. But at the same time, if you looked at the passing chart, all his passes that were completed were under 10 yards. Anything over 10 yards was garbage. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's real easy to have a super high completion percentage to when now NFL offenses and, and, and a lot of coaches have become risk-averse. It's not the same football that we saw when we were growing up, right, to where, you know, a lot of these coaches were kind of like, hey, man, we're going to take our shots. You know, this is a part of the game. We have to take our shots. Now there's a lot of – it's a lot of coaching up or being risk averse and saying, you know what? Hey man, just check it down, check it down. You know, instead of trying to be basically how, how I could, you know, say it to you is instead of them trying to coach their quarterbacks to be the Patrick Mahomes in the chief system, they're coaching more. So now to say, be like how Alex Smith was, we may not get as many big plays out of you, but we're going to be less risk averse. You're not going to turn the ball over as much. We're going to have more time of possession. You know what I'm saying? But, but in the long haul, what is better for you, right? T what, what was better for them? Was it Alex Smith, or Patrick Mahomes? Cause if you look at the roster construction, the roster is basically the exact same from one year from Alex Smith being in the playoffs with them to 
Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP is basically the same exact roster. Actually, you could actually argue that the Patrick Mahomes, uh, that MVP roster actually had a little less talent because they didn't have Kareem Hunt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You could really actually <laughs> argue that. So th- that's why I say it, it's it's just Josh Allen – I know I kind of made this segment a little bit. I took it really about him, but I just, I can't say enough how impressed I was by him. But, but I do just want to say I need to see him do something in the playoffs. Because you know how I am, T. You can do all those numbers in the regular season all you want, but if you don't do it in the playoffs, dog, I got problems. And see, what I, what was more of the issue in last year's playoff game, that his accuracy was his decision-making. He had horrible, horrible decision-making last year. I mean, I don't know if you remember this play, T, but um, there was a play in that uh, playoff game that they lost last year, right, where Josh Allen legitimately threw a 50-50 ball, Terrell, to his fullback down the field. He asked his fullback to go be Randy Moss. In, in hold on, in triple coverage. Uh, <laughs> See, that's the part I had to. Oh, I wow. had to wait to put that in there just so you really understood, because because it's already an absurd enough thing thinking about. Like, wait a minute, somebody out here throwing a 50-50 ball like like a fullback is Randy Moss, and then when you think about it again, wait, he threw it in the triple coverage. It's like, well, yeah, bro, he's he's ridiculous. But again, so like I was saying, the the issue so much last year in the playoffs was again, it wasn't his it wasn't his talent, it wasn't his accuracy accuracy so much because he did actually get better with that over the course of the season last year too. It was his decision making. It was that atrocious. I'm going to throw a a fifty fifty ball and triple coverage to a fullback and. I get that, you know, some people will, you know, that the defenders will tell you, hey, it's only one play. But, dude, one player make, can make a break in, in a playoff game. What most people don't actually realize, Terrell, is do you know what the average score, uh, scoring margin in a NFL football game actually is? It's about uh, – the last time I checked really on this, not. it was like 7.3 points. It's basically a touchdown. Most – and on top of that, yeah. most football games end within the score being within one score. Most of them do. This year may be kind of anomalous about that. I don't know. I have to kind of look into this. But if you look into the numbers over like over like a 10-year span, like just take out this year because obviously this year was a little weird with coronavirus and everything, right? But if you kind of look at it, for the most part, most games end closely. Even if they start off as like, you know, blowouts early, what usually happens if one team gets up big early, what happens is they, hey, they change up their game plan and all of a sudden they, they go really, really conservative, right? So that's going to lead to a lot of games ended up close. So one 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 possession can make or break your season. <laughs> and that's why I'm very hard on him for a play like that because as hard as I am on him, you know, for that play, you know, I've been just as hard on Mitchell Trubisky. You've seen my damn Twitter. You've seen how I lose my mind when he misses wide open throws. 
my judgments are yeah it, it's not a you know it's not a fandom it's thing for me people if, if anybody that's listening to this misunderstands i'm not criticizing josh allen because of a fandom thing or because of a lack of fandom for the buffalo bills like I liked the Buffalo Bills when I was a kid. You know, I don't really have an issue with them. You know, they're not a team that has never, ever done anything to the Bears. What the hell would I care about them for? But. I mean, I mean, they might end up having a new 30 for 30. No, but, no, but, bro. But five make falls of Buffalo. Listen, they make it to do you Super know Bowl. how insane? But, first off, you know how insane it is that they made four Super Bowls in a row? Like, I don't think a lot of people actually oh, yeah. realize that, Terrell. I think there's a lot, especially like kids, you know, they, don't, don't let me say kids. Just let's just say like the generation below us. Right. I don't think they really realized that they were like when we were coming up as kids, the Buffalo Bills were a dynasty. Yeah, they didn't win a Super Bowl, but they were they were a dynasty. They dominant. They won the AFC four years in a row. And at least two of those Super Bowls were a bad kick away from winning them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. And, and, and but that goes to my point though with Josh Allen. You gotta your quarterback has to be careful with the ball to make sure that you are in a position to win the game at the end of the game. I don't. Why do I trust Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes? Because one thing I know about both of those guys is that yes, they may do some risky things, but I also know that they are going to generally keep their team in a position to win the game at the end. And, it, and, they're in, and they have such a talent level and a mastery of the game at this point to where you don't want to leave them anytime. You dread leaving these guys anytime because you know, hey, they don't even need two minutes. <laughs> all they need, all they really need is a timeout. Give them, give them a minute and a timeout. They'll figure out a way to get in the end zone. <laughs> and so, and so, to round it out, there, very true. That, all that being said, giving you know Josh Allen all his credit and everything. All that being said, with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes playing on the level they are, I don't think anybody's going to beat them. And and they both have just enough of a defense to. To keep them to where even if they get off to a bad start, the defense can keep them in the game long enough to where those guys can get going. And they, like you can't put a value on that. Like there, there's no number that you can put on that because if your defense can just buy you enough time for those guys to get going, who knows what they'll end up doing at the end of the game. Yeah, for real. But who? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Who you got? All right. Mister, you go. Oh, you about to say the Packers? You sounded real, real critical of me on that. Who you got going to the bowl, then, buddy? Uh huh. Exactly. Exactly. Uh huh. All that Chiefs. judgment in your voice, and you got the same damn teams going. <laughs> hey. <laughs> So am I. I'm a Bears fan. That's why I said Packers and Chiefs. I'm not stupid. I know what the best teams are. And you know, if, if I can give you one dark horse pick, um, come out of the NFC, Seahawks. 
And the only reason I'll give you them as a dark horse is because if that defense can like do any semblance of not being so clownish, right? If they can play a you know better football, and if that offense can finally wake up again, like I don't, dude, they came out of the gate so crazy, T, and now like if you notice, they really have fallen off like since the beginning of the season, right? So if they can get that offense going. I think the Seahawks have a chance, but other than that, earlier this season, I did think that the Rams might have had a chance, right? I, I, I felt, you know, because they were playing balanced football. They, the, the offense was being complementary to their defense, really being dominant, right? And I was like, okay, well, that's a combination that can win a Super Bowl, right? Or, that, or, or at least they can make a deep run into the playoffs. But Jared Goff having the thumb surgery, right. and even before that, Jared Goff wasn't playing that great. It, it just kind of leaves me in a situation to where it's like, I would like to say that the Rams have a chance, but the realist in me says, nah, bro, they don't have a chance. They're going to lose, you know, like they're, especially Jared Goff with the thumb surgery. You, you know, like I think if he didn't have the thumb surgery, I might still be able to talk myself myself into them, you know, but he had a thumb surgery, bro. And even if it was just something where he was, you know, where, hey, it didn't affect his throwing hand or anything like that to where, hey, he gets to, you know, he just had a sprained ankle or something. I would be worried about him being rusty. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like you're combining he had to have thumb surgery and he's going to be rusty. Mm, bro, that's not a good combination to win a playoff game. So I think this uh, this this no, round of games will be very very fun for sure. Except for Bears fans, I think we're going to be the ones that um, that end up getting embarrassed. I think we're going to be the team that we're going to wish we just weren't in the playoffs. <laughs> well, hold on. Well, us and whoever came Washington, out of the East. <laughs> Their defense is ridiculously good, okay? And on top of that, if you're, if, if you're being honest about your projections with Washington, they're a year ahead of schedule. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're at a point to where they're playing with house money right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do they have to lose, Terrell? They weren't even supposed to make the playoffs this year. You feel me? Like they, 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 they were looking at a situation True. where they're trying to just evaluate whether they had a franchise quarterback or not. And these dudes, because the rest of the division couldn't get out of their own damn way, these dudes made the playoffs. They're playing with house money. If I look, if I'm a Washington fan, I feel great about the direction of my team right now because you are looking at your team and you are saying. We are literally a quarterback and a wide receiver away from being a seriously dominant team. That defense, Terrell, that defense is disgusting. Go look at when you have a chance, go look at their team numbers for defense this year, T, and you're gonna be like, what the hell? This was Washington's defense? That's the only reason they won games. That's the only reason they were in games, T. Because that defense is absurd. But 
I'm not doubting that. It's just like I say, just like I say, the, the East was just East so abysmal this year. I've ever that, seen. Like I say, but and mind you, like I say, this isn't the first time we've seen the East look like that. You know, like I say, we've seen it happen before. But like say, but not on like say to this level, like where all the teams were like pretty much like like where teams were still in the playoff hunt in week seventeen. So but alas, they say it's time for us to to pass up the football and Jerome. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. I know it's one of mine. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the mind of a madman. I know I'm kind of crazy. I know it's shenanigans here. We like to try and have some fun. We also like to try and keep you informed on what's really going on out here. But this week, ladies and gentlemen, we've actually got to, we're going to keep this one real focused here. Okay. And I'm going to focus on two things that happened over the course of uh, us being off since, you know, we did our award show to wrap up there. Right. Number one, we already we already kind of addressed it, but again, I find it I didn't find it surprising what happened just because I saw already true colors of these people. And there's an old expression that says when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Right? So I I have chose to believe them. Um, and that's why I'm not surprised by it. But I want to get away from that and address the thing that was very positive that happened over this last week, right? And you know what that was, T? Can you guess? Do you have a guess of what I'm going to call out? All right. Uh, nope, so what I'm all. calling out is the state of Georgia showing up for the United States of America. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because there was a lot of people that played their role in this. We can start with... Um, Miss Stacey Abrams, right? Why do I want to start with her? Because obviously she, you know, she's been the face mm-hmm. of this that's been really out front. So she's that's easy. I give her credit. We all know what she's done, right? We all know she's registered hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people to vote. You know, she's done a lot to help forward this movement and try and get this country back on track and get it moving forward, correct? So she's done that much appreciated to her, but I also would like to bring attention to some uh, a group of people who I don't feel like is getting enough credit for their stance and helping changing that election in Georgia, and that's the women of the Atlanta Dream. And the reason why I want to say this is because when everything was going on, you know, when everything got shut down and the things were starting to get started back up, the women of the Atlanta Dream took a stand against that, against uh, Miss Lofton, right? They took a stand. They said, we will not accept you as our owner. We will not do these things for you. We stand in everything diametrically opposed to you. They're trying to get her out. They're doing everything within their power. But also what they did was, was that they used their resources to help get people registered to vote, to help make sure people could get themselves out there to vote and handle business so that little Mitch McConnell would have to go back into his place and learn that, hey, he is not in charge of this country. 
he is not our ruler. He does not get to make the laws and hold up progress any longer. Bye-bye, little Mitch. So I have to give the women of the Atlanta Dream a lot of the a lot of credit in this too and say really appreciate what you did. You know, they put their activism, and this is something that the women of the w, WNBA do consistently, right? They put their activism before their paychecks all the time. And I just want to say for everybody that hasn't been paying attention, if you haven't been seeing what the WNBA's women have been doing, especially since Trump's gotten office, because they've gotten more visibility since he's been in there, right? If you haven't been seeing what they're doing, pay us, pay some attention. And also watch some NBA basketball. It, look, it's great basketball. Just ain't got no Duncan, dog. Like, if you can get over the fact that it don't have Duncan, you can watch it. I mean, for God's sake, all y'all swear you love watching Steph Curry, but he don't be out there dunking. <laughs> so, with that being said, I just want to leave the light True. of shenanigans on the ladies that helped bring us home with Miss Abrams and the women of the Atlanta Dream. So, Ladies to y'all, this is a good uh, good thing from Shenanigans. Give you the applause of the week. Thank you. We appreciate everything that y'all did because it was very, very important that the Democrats won those two seats for the Senate because if not, Mitch McConnell was just going to continue to obstruct and then we would end up probably with another Republican president in four years. So that being said, I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, again, Please stop paying attention to Kardashians. They don't give a shit about you. They don't care about you, your family, and none of your well-being. Pay attention to things like science, politics. You know, just put some positive knowledge into your head. Try and change your life. Try and become a better person. Be better to the people around you. Spread some love. That's all I got for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Jerome, let's say... And this might be a first ever, but I want to call shenanigans on uh, certain people, on, on one particular group. <laughs> oh, God. Why are you calling on that? On the damn IRS. Because, let's say, because we all know, like, say, in, in America, like, say, that the second stimulus was approved. Well, there are numbers of Americans who did not receive their stimulus. Yeah, I haven't got mine yet. Who had direct deposit. I'm, let's say I'm calling shenanigans because apparently there was some kind of miscommunication with the IRS and however people file their taxes and they say that they're trying to fix it. But what? Jerome, do you know what happens if you don't receive your stimulus by January 15th? To get that money, you have That's to silly. put it on your 2020 tax return. It really is. And they say that they're trying well, to fix it. So, we'll, but I'm calling shenanigans on them because guess what? Y'all, y'all were able to do it without problem before. That. How did y'all run into they're this problem? They're super now? underfunded and understaffed. So I don't really want to knock them. You know, like they're a department that, yeah, we all hate them. But like, for actually being honest, they're just doing their jobs and they have not been supplied with the resources that they need to appropriately be doing their jobs. <laughs> so I kind of don't give them those. Well, maybe if Trump would have like paid his actual taxes, they might actually have more funding. But, uh, you know, let's say, I, I, 
let's say you know me, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak speak how I feel. And like I say, it is just like I say, and and the thing is, there's no consistency to it at all, because and and, and I say this because my well, say yeah. one of my parents received theirs, the other but one did not. I know people who made much more, and it money, makes no make sense because they filed jointly and made more money than me last year. They have already got there. So, I mean, it is what it is. Well, so, like I say, we'll see, we'll see how, like say, this whole thing plays out. But, let's like say, keep an eye out for that check in the mail or see if it hits your deposit account. I say, either way, we'll see what happens. But, I say, that's all I'm going to say. And in the meantime, we're going to go ahead and switch to the bread and butter, the thing that started this whole show off, that's right, if you haven't been listening to us for years, uh, that's your loss. But the thing that started off, and that is, we're going to talk a little bit of that pro wrestling. And Jerome, I need to know your opinion on WWE Monday Night Raw's um, Legends mean, Night. Can I say meh? <laughs> meh? I mean... I guess you can say, man. I don't know. I, I think by my judging of it would be unfair. And it's strictly because of this. The nostalgia stuff doesn't hit me like it hits everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get too caught up in, in the nostalgic moments because, like, me, I'm looking at the picture like more so like this, like, hey, man. Finn Balor got hurt, and he still never got his chance to actually have a run with the title. You know, so 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 it's like when they do stuff like Legends Night, yeah, I mean, I don't want to detract from what they were trying to do and say that, like, it was just an awful experience or anything like that. But also, I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you that it was so amazing. You know, my goodness, oh, you missed such a big thing. It's like, no, not really, man. Like I, I more so just want to see progression of of, of storylines and seeing guys keep progressing. I don't care about the nostalgia moments at this moment. You want to give me nostalgia? Give it to me at the Rumble. Give it to me at WrestleMania. Give it to me at SummerSlam. Other than that, I don't need it. I say because when I when I look at like say everything when it comes to like I say the Legends Night. My thing is, and and this is and this is why, like I say, I wanted to discuss this. I wasn't. Why did they why call everybody cut these out Legends there out and not do anything with them? Like, like, and then like Undertaker comes out by himself. But 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 my thing is is like okay yeah those people that they brought out for Undertaker those were all some of his closest friends. Okay, people that like that wanted to, you know, show their respect to him in a public forum. When I what I'm talking about is why do you have backstage segments where you have these legends and they're not saying a thing? There's no there's no they're just standing there. Like like the only the only people that I can remember that had any real impact, Teddy Long, because he tried to make a match against the Undertaker for the Miz and Morrison. And then he had to make a tag team match player. But I say they use Teddy Long in a good capacity. They use Big Show and Mark Henry in a good capacity to help progress Randy Orton. But, uh, but did they really progress Randy Orton? They had, Did they you know, really, though? They had the big I mean, tan 
How no. much can you really Whoa, progress brother. him at this point? I mean, you can't, but like I say, at least they played into Orton's whole, oh, legend, legend, legend killer thing, you know? that That's what they were trying to do. Uh, but like I say, everybody else was just kind of standing there and smiling and happy. I'm like, Bro, and they, please, they what a lovely guy. Why did we cart out Tatanka? <laughs> Why? Like, like, and, and you could have let the man wear a shirt. I mean, he had to be in the full garb. You couldn't just let the man be in a shirt and pants. Just like you could have had him with a headdress on with shirt and pants. The man ain't got to be in full gear. But you know, it's like I say. They just did. I think they handled no, Legends no, Night no, wrong. No, no, no. I'm base. not going to touch base on how they ended Legends Night because, because, <laughs> because, because, why, why, why do they consistently keep carding out this no talented? bastard named Goldberg. And I don't care if Bill Goldberg ever hears this. I don't care if I see Bill Goldberg in the street and he says, hey, I heard you were talking about me. I'll be like Matt Riddle. What's up, bro? You know, I I don't care because in all honesty, Goldberg cannot say that he deserved anything he got in his career. He and and even more so, let's say he is somebody that yes, I have a bias against because of what happened with Bret Hart. But let's say, oh, I don't know, I I'm not feeling the best. Maybe I shouldn't pick up a 300 pound man and try and try and set him up for my finisher. Oh, look at this! I almost did, almost paralyzed this man. Hmm. You know? Oh, oh, maybe they shouldn't bring me back to beat a new character. That was an old character, but they made fresh and is one of the hottest things in the business and beat them in a squash match. Maybe that shouldn't happen. But no, they want to consistently be peddling this guy down our throat. Like they were shoving him down our throat as if, let's say, they're shoving him down our throat like when we were kids and mom wanted us to eat broccoli and they're just, just like, you got to eat your broccoli. I don't want to eat my broccoli, boy. You better eat that broccoli. That's what they're doing with Goldberg. And I'm sorry, but and I and, and I know that there were some difficulties at the end of the show because they were running low on time and Drew McIntyre was supposed to run a do a promo where he was throwing some shade at the legends and Goldberg came out about disrespect. Guess what? I would rather have a disrespectful Drew McIntyre as my WWE champion than Bill Goldberg even in my WWE arena. That's how much let's say Goldberg is a waste. And you're gonna put this as a Royal Rumble? You know what? I may cancel my oh, network subscription before the Royal Rumble just to so show them how much I hate them. I'm sure they'll so miss that nine ninety nine. But, but, you know what? And 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 Jerome, I don't know if I've ever made this statement to you before or on this show. I would rather have Coco Beware go against Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble than Goldberg. Coco Beware, bro. The Coco Beware. I see the bird flying and everything. I flap my wings too. Let's say if they said tomorrow, Coco Beware stepping in for Goldberg at the Royal Rumble, I'll be walking around with my wings flapped like a bird. Let's say just, just. 
elated that Goldberg is out of that. But I but I digress. Legends Night was not a good thing. But you know what? You know what has been a good thing though in wrestling though? All Elite Wrestling and Impact Wrestling's partnership. Now, granted, and, and you know what? I, I will give all credit where credit is due to Impact Wrestling. They are still around. I I thought we were going to be putting, like, say, we would have done the Porsche mortem on their on their whole thing, like at least like five years ago. But they're still around, and they've done some good stuff here and there. They've had some good talents come through. Uh, but the relationship with Impact Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling definitely one of the ones that. Like I say, because the problem is, is like I say, say I don't know if it's available by you, Jerome, um, but by me, I can't get Impact Wrestling no on my TV. I Can you? Looked. Can you get Access I don't TV really by Impact? You know that. Uh, yeah, but like I say, but like I say, with Kenny Omega winning the AEW title and then going over to and then like popping up on Impact Wrestling, that that makes an interesting, you know, like I say, scenario. And the takeaway, and anybody who who watched AEW Dynamite, was that we got to see something that we should that I was expecting to happen. We got to see an invasion of sorts. We got to see the Good Brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, the Impact Tag Team Champions, show up on Dynamite, helping out Kenny Omega. And they were just they, and they cleared house on a bunch on a bunch <laughs> of enhancement talent, on a bunch of enhancement talent guys that were sitting around the ring, and like I say the wrestlers that sitting around the ring on dynamite they cleared house on them, but the part that everybody in the wrestling world is buzzing about was when Kenny Omega, Gallows and Anderson put up the sign the old too sweet sign, and the Bucks were in and the young Bucks were in the ring with them. And the Bucks just looked around and was just like, and just threw up the sign with them. Bro, you are talking about, like, say, the version of, like, a version, of, the version of the Bullet Club that was starting to get them to go global. Like, like, that's, that, that's scary. That's, that's, like, truly scary. Cause, cause, like, say, you had, you had, like, say, say, the only person you're missing from that equation is AJ Styles. Like if AJ all of a sudden was out of his WWE contract and went to All Elite or Impact Wrestling, man, let's say then you've got the version of the Bullet Club that really just took that thing to another level, especially over here in America. Like say you, like say it was it was big in Japan, but in America, oh man, it exploded when AJ Styles became a member of that group, and it and it and it's it's interesting because you have Kenny Omega, the All Elite Wrestling Champion, you have the the Good Brothers, the Impact Tag Champs, you got the Young Bucks, the AEW Tag Team Champions. There's gold in them heels there, and I'm I'm excited. And like I say, after after like I say, because like I say, seeing Kenny doing his little promos on Impact, that wasn't that was making me intrigued, but it wasn't getting me excited. But watching what happened last night got me excited to see how this relationship between Impact Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling is going to pan out. I'm, I'm I'm excited. If they can if they can keep if they can keep if they can do this I mean, the right we'll way, it'll be it'll uh, be great. I have no faith in anything Impact does. So it's hard for me to necessarily get like 
fully behind it and be like, yeah, man, you know, they'll be good. Because, like, I look at it and I'm like, well, you guys have consistently sucked it up. <laughs> you know, like, you guys have consistently had, like, great buildup and then just fall off the cliff moment. So I guess we'll just have to see how this one plays out long term, right? Oh, yeah. I say, because like I say if Impact and uh, AEW are working together, uh, I would be excited to see if New Japan would eventually come into the fold. Because that's, that's like I say, them and Ring of Honor are the only other uh, promotions outside of WWE that would make sense for all the wrestling to work with. And they like say, and then plus, like I say, the, big, the biggest question of them all is, is right now, Impact Wrestling. All Elite Wrestling. Let's say Ring of Honor. Well, Ring of Honor just parted ways with one of their biggest stars, be- and we're not, and we don't know if it's because of the allegations laid against him, but Ring of Honor parted ways with Marty Scroll, and the question is, is does Scroll, like, say, what does Scroll do? Does he try and go to All Elite Wrestling uh, and be with his old friends, the Bucks and Cody and Kenny, or they say, or does he try and go to Impact and get a job there? Because the thing is, Marty Scroll has to get a new job. Because, because let's say he's on a work visa in America, and if he doesn't find work soon, he's gonna have to go ahead and go. And he's gonna have to go home back to England. So, we we'll, we'll see what happens. But let's say in the meantime, let's say we can all just wait, see what happens, and see what see what's going on. But with that being said. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Inside the Cage. Each we're 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 happy that you're listening to us. And remember, new episodes drop every Friday. Make sure that you follow our Instagram, and that's at Inside the Cage with two eyes. On Instagram, you can follow me at Everything T Campbell underscore ITC. Go ahead, tell them your socials. And then also make sure that you know that you can listen to us on Google app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. All right. So thank you everybody for for tuning in to this episode. Oh, we'll see you next.